that's what we're doing Sunday night. And at the time, you could use that to your benefit, go and buy whatever you want from them. You know, I mean, you know, now now it's about four Starbucks, right? It's actually called four bucks. Now it's up to five, I think. But but at one point that money was valuable. But today today it's it, it's not. I guess if you had one, maybe you know, it's because of its historic value. But you couldn't spend it in a store. Because it it doesn't ha- didn't have lasting value. You know, we purchase things, we do things with our money, most of which doesn't have any lasting value. We go out and we have dinner, and it lasts until about eight o'clock at night. If it's Mexican food, it lasts till about two in the morning. But it doesn't last. But when we give into the Lord, as we give to the Lord, we're giving into eternal things, and there's a, a value that lasts forever. And so, as you give this morning into the offering, as you as you give you both your, you know, your tithes and your offering. In fact, I go get my tithe check, and so I don't want to miss the opportunity to give. Um, you know, tithes and offerings. We're planting seeds into an eternal kingdom, and we're here to reach the lost and establish the kingdom. So we're going to receive an offering, and I just want to encourage you to give as the Lord Lord leads, and um, and be blessed because this is eternal. You know, someday, I believe, I believe that in our lifetime, you won't be able to spend paper money anymore. It's going to go all go digital. The, I, I think we're going to see a time when the, this money is no value at all. And um, so what are we keeping? Let's, let's sow into the kingdom of God and expect um, return in the spiritual realm. As the ushers come, we're going to pray. Father, thank you that you have blessed us uh, in every realm, God. And today, as we give our tithes and offerings, God, as we give a 10% of what you've given to us, we trust that you are a provider. And Lord, as we give above and beyond that and give of our offerings, we just declare that you are good. And we thank you. We trust you with our finances. Lord, as we, we give into the offering, we trust that you will lead us as a congregation into the path that you have for us, that we would make a difference, God, that you would help us to establish the kingdom of God, Lord, in this place right here, that the anointing would come, that, that people would be saved, that people would be transformed. We pray that you would establish the kingdom in this valley, God, that the lost would come to know you, that the broken would be, be repaired and healed, Lord. And help us to make a difference and establish the kingdom throughout the world where we're connected in ministries and missions, Father. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did, did, did we get this one running yet? Okay. Cool. It is on on the top? Okay. Well, I don't like to hold that. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Would you mind getting a few of those things? Thank you. Hey, if you, if you have a cell phone, now's a great time. Oh, I think you might have found it. Maybe not. If you have a cell phone, it's a great time to turn it off unless, you're, unless God calls. If God calls, feel free to answer it. Hey, a couple of, of, of announcements and reminders. Um, the Jubilee, our 50th anniversary, is coming up in um, uh, July 10th, 11th, and 12th. And we, we just believe, you know, it's our 50th anniversary, and the Bible says um, that on the... Tenth day of the seventh month, you'll, you'll have a jubilee to honor me. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to have a celebration on the Friday night. We're going to gather together. Um, everyone who's ever been a part of Big Bear Christian Center for the last 50 years is invited. We're, we've got um, Pastor Gene Greeley, who was the pastor of, of Christian Center um, from the early 70s until about 1983 or 1984 when Pastor Jeff became the pastor. He's flying in from Alabama. Uh, we hope to have the original pastor, the founding pastor, um, 
uh, Louis Weiss, his uh, one of his children is. We look like it looks like he's going to be able to join us for that celebration. Pastor Greeley, of course, Pastor Jeff will be here. We're going to have worship leaders um, who used to be former worship leaders come. Mark Johnson, who was one of our mini- uh, missionaries and uh, worship leader here for a long time, they're flying in from Minneapolis for the event. And uh, we're going to have um, Michelle Dunn, who was our worship leader. Michelle and John Dunn, they're pastors of the. Christian Faith Center, they're going to come and join us. In fact, I was talking to him last night. He says, now, is this okay? Can we bring the family? He says, well, yeah, the family was part of the church. He says, well, we're 20 now. And I thought, well, we might have to like do this in a tent outside or something. But that's going to be Friday night. And so if you want to just come uh, for part of that and see what's, you know, meet some people from the past, it's great. Saturday is going to be a, a great day. It's kind of a carnival all day, all hands on deck type of moment. We're going to have an outreach to the community. We're going to have free food. We're going to have a prayer tent. We're going to have uh, worship and, and music. Mark Johnson, Mark and Janelle will be playing. Um, the worship team, uh, uh, Susan Stoppenbrink will be singing some specials. So we're going to be doing things like that on Saturday. It's from 10 to 4. And um, we're going to be getting some flyers out for that. So that's happening. Then on Sunday, we're just going to have a great service, we believe, here. Um, we're, we're, we're considering doing it outside. We're going to see logistically if we can have a service outside or do it right in here. Um, eventually, can you just imagine we just knock this wall out and go about 50 feet out and extend, extend the sanctuary because God's going to be doing something in this place and that we're not going to be able to, to, to hold him in this area, not because we want to grow, but because God wants to grow his kingdom. And he's going to use this congregation. Amen? You can be excited about that. It's okay. All right. So, so that's one thing. Another thing we're, we've got going on, um, we talked about this last week. And this week, uh, it's been great. I've even gotten some phone calls from people going, hey, that's that, I love what you're doing, going and praying in the neighborhood. That means that you guys are out there passing these out, putting them on doors. Um, we did we did 100 in about an hour. And so the, it's not hard to get out. All we're doing is we just, we're walking down streets, praying for every individual house. And then we're hanging one of these on there. So this isn't just go hang a door hanger. This is go pray for someone as you hang it. Bless this home, God. Let them know you. God, heal marriages, heal children, and we just walk and pray similar things to every house. And so I know that a few hundred of these were already passed out. Goal is to get at least about a 1,000 out in our neighborhoods, the places where you live and the places that are closest to us as a church because we have a lot of people that need Jesus, and we want to be praying for them. And if you can't go out, you can still be praying, praying for each individual house. And, and, and just, in fact, I was talking to somebody who says, you know, I'm praying for everyone on my block. They haven't gotten out and prayed prayed for these yet, but I thought, you know, as, if you're not able to actually physically get out and pray, but you can visualize, you know, you even get onto MapQuest or Zillow and look at every house on that and say, Lord, I pray for that house right there, those that live in that house. And God can do that because we, we're really, we're not just going, God bless the world. I, I don't think that's, that's okay. I don't think that's really what God wants to do. But God, I don't know these people, but I know there's people that live in this house. Maybe they don't even live full time, but they're visitors. God, we pray that there would be an anointing and something special would happen. So we pray for them. Then let us know that you're prayed for a block. And we'll, we've got a map, and we're going to be marking off areas in which we've already covered. And, and so you know, we're saying, hey, we want to hit these neighborhoods. We're going to continue to pray for um, our neighborhoods uh, until Jesus comes back. But so, and, and then what a great thing that, that, and if that would be you and you're saying, well, you know, I prayed for this street, but I can't get out and put on, we'll just go hang the door flyers on it. Well, why do you want to do that? So that they know that someone's praying for them. Because if, if you're praying for them and everything turns around, but they don't know that it was God, well, then God doesn't get the glory. But if you're praying for them and they know that they were prayed for, and all of a sudden 
their child comes back and is no longer on drugs or their marriage begins to get whole, they go, wow, somebody started praying for me. So that's what this is about. And it's also you know, a way for people to call the church or, or send in and ask for specific prayer. You don't have to meet anybody. Um, you know, and you know, we're just hanging these, on, hanging, hanging these on doors. So we have like 2,500. So um, take a good stack. I was talking to somebody else. They said, we, we got like 25, and we thought that would go for a couple of blocks. You know, it seemed, you, you'd think that a good stack, uh, you know, they got down one street. There's a lot of houses in Big Bear. So grab 100. And, and take it out with you. So you can get, grab those. Um, I think that's... And then if you are visiting this morning, um, out on the uh, front table, we have a little packet we'd like to give to you, and, and we don't want to uh, make a big deal of it, but I encourage you to grab one of these on your way out today. This talks about who we are, what we believe, has to, um, our ministries and some in, uh, different information about our kids' ministry and, and our life groups. Um, and so I encourage you to grab one of these. Also, if you... Fill out a visitor card if you're visiting with us this morning and drop it into the offering. We just uh, we actually have a special gift for you, and and we just want to get to know you and how we can pray for you. Also, along with prayer, there's prayer prayer cards in the back of the seats. Um, if there's anything you want us to pray with you specifically about, please do that. Amen. Did I miss any announcements? Oh, we'll just let people grab them on there. But we'll just make sure there's good stacks out there or the box, and those will be in a box also right on the table as we go out. Um, so, all right. Hey, that's exciting. Um, Zane and Kaja Bowman, and I don't believe they're here. They've been helping us with the youth for uh, some time now, and um, they are going to be leaving. So, I just encourage you to pray for them as they go. They're moving to Colorado, and so um, be praying for them, but also be praying for the youth group. We're losing two of our leaders, and uh, it's been my desire and goal to get out of the youth uh, youth group and and uh, give that fully away to the youth leaders. And, and I was just about to do that when Zane said, we're moving. And so it looks like I'm doing another another stint, another two to five or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, you know, pray, I'm praying for parole. I love, no, I, I really do, I really do love the kids. It's great in the, in the youth. Um, we're raising up a youth worship team. Made right now, it's made up of uh, Zach Ward and Ellie and Zach Hastings, and we're looking at Eli to come and start playing with us, um, either drums or, or keyboard, and maybe Jacob and some of these other people who are musicians. Um, you know, people are leaving. Matthew's going to be leaving in the fall, and uh, he's been playing bass both on the worship team and on on the youth team, and he's going to be leaving. So you know, if there's a if you have a talent and want to be involved in the ministry, there's definitely opportunity to serve uh, in a lot of ways in this church. I need to get to the message. I'm excited about the word today too. I don't need this. You, did this? Did we get the lapel yet? No. That is so strange. Okay. I hate to hold this. Whew. Man, we are in the book of Joshua. We're getting close to Jericho. You know the song? Joshua fought the bottle of Jericho. Jericho. Jericho, Josh fought the battle of Jericho. Um, you know, I, I I did I did forget one thing, and I don't have, but I remember a couple of them. I got an email this week of some some things that kids have said, uh, wrote wrote down at a Catholic school over the years, and and one of them, uh, and and you know these are kids who who just don't know how to spell right or just don't know the story quite right, and one of them was Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's, that was funny. I thought, yes. Anyone else fighting the Battle of Jericho? 
Wow. Joshua chapter 2. Heavenly Father, as we get into the time of the Word today, we thank you for your presence and your anointing, your blessing that's already here, Lord. God, we um, ask that you would help us to be open to what you want to speak to us through your Word. And uh, help us. Help us to understand. Help us to have a heart, ears to hear, a heart to respond. God, there's a lot of lessons in the Bible, Father. We're going to focus on just a couple in this chapter. Um, but we just invite you in to this next uh, 40 minutes in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are in Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to pretty much do the, the, whole, the whole thing. We're not going to read the whole, but we're going to kind of skim it over. In the, in the very first part, now remember, uh, the book of Joshua is about the children of Israel coming out of Canaan, out of the desert, and going into the uh, promised land. And so um, Moses has died. And they're, they're getting poised to go in. Verse, starting in verse 1, chapter 2 says this. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove, some of your Bibles say Shittim, to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. So let's just start real quick with the, the two spies. Four, let's go back 40 years. If it gets a little cold, we can check the, is it cold? Are you guys good? We can maybe turn turn it up a little bit and maybe just keep it circulating and watch it. It's it's either too cold or too hot. But see, if it's too hot, you fall asleep. So I'm going to keep it cold. So we've got the two spies. So Joshua's sending up two spies. We go back 40 years, and you find out that Moses sent in some spies to the land with a bad result. He sent in 10 spies, and they went in. They said, yeah, the land is great, but... The guys are big, and I don't think we're going to do it. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And so they got afraid, and they didn't go in. And then they suffered for 40 years in the desert. So Joshua's about to do the same thing, but it's not the same thing. One, he's not sending any random 10 guys. He's sending two, which I believe that he actually picked. The, or the, not the 12 guys, there was 10 who said bad and two that said good, but uh, um, he's sending in two. And he's not going, he's not sending them to say, should we go in? He's sending them his spies to spy out the land to, to basically get a tactical advantage. What should we do? How should we go in? And so they send them in, and he s- sends them to Jericho. And, and, and the way that I believe this works is that Jericho is kind of in the middle of the promised land, and you go in. One, it's a big walled city. It's right there across the Jordan. But it's going to kind of cut the land in half, so making the north and the south easier to attack. So, so it's very strategic. And so he sends them in. Now, I don't think he needed to send them in personally and I think he was just going well you know we got to have a strategy because God was going to possess the land for them so he sends them in and uh, um, you know we don't know who these guys are specifically um, but uh, he sends them in and he sends them in secretly and I think part of the secret was he didn't want everyone else to know he didn't want one he didn't want all the people going hey don't do that again we did that 40 years ago it didn't come out so good or, or saying, hey, can we go in too? He wanted to, there was a very specific reason. So he sends them in, and they end up by what some, you know, we could say divine providence at the house of Rahab, the harlot. Now, that, that's what it says here. And how would you like to be known as, you know, Mike the Gigolo? You know, I mean, you're right. This is Rahab the harlot. And she's referred to the, throughout the scriptures. And, and so, you, well, well, you know, why, why do they keep doing that? There's a reason we're going to talk about that. They want us to know that God can use anyone. And that that it's not about like, oh, she was this wonderful faith 
person. In fact, harlots and harlots in this society actually had a little bit more esteem than you would think of a prostitute. Um, often in these Canaanite societies, which were, you know, they worshipped a lot of different gods, um, often, and I'm not sure if that is the case in Jericho, but often um, harlots would also pray, play the role of like a priestess. And so they could have a, a high role in the city. She lived on the city wall, and we're going to see what happens. So and it was told the king of Jericho, verse 2, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab. So, so obviously they saw some guys going in. Now the guys probably thought, hey, this is, this is a harlot's house. Having men go in and out of this house isn't going to be that unusual, right? And so, um, but the king gets word of it and he sends people, he sends people over there because he hears that there, uh, that there were people there. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country. And so, you know, the, the, the king knew, knew Rahab, um, obviously who she, who she was. And he goes there, and then in verse 4 says, The woman took the two men and hid them. And then she said to the king's men, Yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut. It was dark. They went out. But if you send people along to chase them, I'm sure that you'll find them. So, so she, here she is, and she's lying. And, and she's in the Bible, and she's a harlot. And now she's lying. And we find that this lie actually brings about the safety of the people. Some people would say, well, does that make lying okay? No. Explain this real simply. This is a woman, and we're going to get to know her a little bit better. This is a woman who's heard about the, the Israelites, but she's a pagan. She's, she serves the Canaanite gods. Um, and, and, but she hears, and we're just past this, she goes up and has this great conversation with them. And basically, she, she goes to the two guys who she's hiding up on the roof, and, and they would have often flat roofs where they could, um, in the summertime, go up if it was too hot. Reminds me a lot of, I think it would be like Guatemala. We had a flat roof there. We um, would go up there in the summertime, and you could actually stand on the rooftop. And they would dry out their flax um, to, that would, you know, uh, um, on the top because they had to be dried out. And we even found people would be doing that in Guatemala. We lived there even like doing their coffee up on their roof, you know, drying out the coffee beans. And so they, she hit them up on the roof under the flax, and she goes up and has this conversation with them, and she says, listen, we heard that you completely destroyed Sihon and Og before they came in, and we've heard about you, and the news has reached us, and our hearts melted within us. We know what's, what God, your God can do. And she begins to have this conversation. And so the news has gone ahead of her. And God has already done something really big. He has put upon her heart. And she is ready to, what we're going to find, to receive God. She's ready to receive the message for the, of these people saying, you're going to come in. And, and we, I, want you, I want to know if you'll save my family. But I'm, I'm getting a little ahead. So let's talk about this a little bit. So we have Rahab, who's, who's a harlot, who is... Um, server of Canaanite gods. She's part of the people that they are supposed to utterly destroy. And, and remember, God was very clear. You've got to utterly destroy them. Man, woman, child. There's no intermixing. And here they come to the house and Rahab lays this out. She protects them. She is already showing to be a woman of faith. In fact, she's such a woman of faith that Fast forward to the New Testament of the Bible. She appears in what we call the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about Moses and Abraham and Sarah and the prostitute. You know what? There's hope for her 
there's hope for us. There is hope. God can use anyone, and he's using a harlot, even to the point that he's allowing something to happen, and, and not just allowing it to happen. See, is that thing? God allows almost everything to happen in our lives. He's given us free will. He doesn't want you to ever do drugs. He doesn't want you to ever have sex out of marriage. He doesn't ever want you to get a divorce. Anyone who says those things, that's just a lie. He, but he allows all those things to happen. And so he could just be allowing Rahab to become part of the community because the guys are going, well, they're making a deal and they gave the word and i gotta, I got to honor this deal. Not so with Rahab. We find out that, that Rahab, he wanted to put a stamp of approval on Rahab, so he actually caused Rahab to be in the family line of King David, the king of Israel, the, the Canaanite possible high priestess, prostitute, becomes in the lineage of King David, who probably should have been 100% Jew, but he wasn't. And go down the line further, Rahab is in the line of Jesus Christ. God wouldn't have done that if it was just like, oh, I guess this is okay. You made a mistake. He's saying, no, I can use and forgive and redeem anything, anything. Ah, thank God for that. I'm sure you're all, most of you are familiar with the Duggar family. God redeems everything. And, and, and as I was watching a couple of articles going, you know, how would you like it if your past started getting leaked out? There are things in my past I wouldn't want you to know about. God knows. I've confessed them. I've worked through. God's forgiven me, but I still wouldn't want people to know about it. Amen? And some of you don't even want to say amen. Huh? <laughs> if I say it too loud, maybe they're going to really think bad things about me. God can use, use anything. In fact, let, let, let's look at, look, look at these things against Rahab. She was a Canaanite, not a Jew. They, they were a wicked people. Remember, they were the offshoot. And they were, they originally, remember, they all came from, from Abraham. They all came from, well, they came from Noah before that. And, but this was the, the people that, that went off and they sinned and they didn't follow the Lord. So they were wicked. Um, God was using Israel to absolutely judge them and to absolutely destroy them. They were idolaters. Strike one. She's the wrong type of person. She's a woman. No, let me go on. She's a woman in this time period. She's a woman in this time period. Women in this time period, honestly, in biblical times, wasn't much different than the way Muslims view their women. They can be, they, they could even be almost considered property. Now, we see the love between Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca, and we go, you know, they didn't consider their wives property, but, but they really could be considered like property. You know, when, when their husbands died, they didn't get the land. The oldest son did. And then, then the oldest son had to care for mom. Okay, so you're a woman in this culture. You don't have a lot of value. You don't have, you know, it was just different. And so there's strike two. She's a Canaanite. She's a pagan. And she's a woman. Strike two. Strike three. She was a prostitute. We've already talked about that. She, she sold herself for money, right? You know, today where there's, there's people who sell themselves for much less the money. We, they give themselves away. God takes that and he says, no, I can use anyone. I don't care if you're a Canaanite or an idolater. I can use you. I don't care if, if you're looked at as an underclass person, if you're poor or if you're rich, if, if anything. 
I can use you. Strike three, she was a prostitute. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what sins you've committed. I can use you. Do you know that Rahab, though, when she went into the, the camp of Israel and became part of Israel, where we, we see that she does become part of Israel, she didn't continue to be a prostitute. You know, we, we don't get saved and get used by God so that we can keep living in the sin that we're in. So though God uses her to save the to save the people of Israel in the sense of they're coming in to, to take over Jericho, but but he redeems her out of the lifestyle and she becomes she becomes a Jew. So God can use anyone. In addition to that, God can save anyone. You know, God can use anyone, saved or unsaved. See, you don't even have to be saved for God to use you. So if you've ever been used and you go, wow, God used me, that doesn't mean anything necessarily other than God can use you. It's because God used a jackass in the Old Testament. He can use a jackass today. See, God can use anything. That doesn't really, that just doesn't really, really matter. But this next part is so important to us. God can save anybody. See, we can have all these things against us and God can use us for his glory because he's powerful and he's sovereign and he's righteous and he's going to let his will be done and he'll use anyone. But he doesn't just want to use anyone. He wants to save everyone. He wants to save. So that he was first using Rahab, but we're going to find that he saves her and he pulls her out of her life and gives her a new life. Isn't that good? Let's look at some of the qualities in Rahab's life. That, that I want us to, to look at because these are important for us. In verses 8 through 11, we're talking about um, Rahab. It's this whole, whole thing. It says, before they lay down, she came up and she's having this conversation. And she says, I know the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us. And we've heard how the Lord dried up the water. And she goes through this, this thought. And Rahab was open to the truth. You go, well, what truth? The truth that danger was coming that death was real and imminent and that she was possibly likely in the line of death. You know, we'd all be open to the truth. No, we don't. How many people are still eating fat, fat fried food, donuts, and doing crazy things because we really aren't open to the truth always. We know that it might be true, but it's not going to affect us. How many people know that one day they're going to die, yet they don't change the way they're living? How many people know that there is a heaven and a hell? Most people in this country still believe in God, and yet they don't follow and serve him. They're not really open to the truth, not fully. Rahab was open going, you know what? We've been hearing about this thing, and I'm going to do something about it. She had heard about Israel and Israel's God. But what was it that made her believe in God? Well, fear of death is a good one. In the, in the, in the past, that was one of the things that we, we Christians, pastors would use, the fear of death. You're going to die and you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn in hell and it was the fire and brimstone. Well, that was actually very effective because people had this understanding that there was a God and there, that, that Jesus Christ, it was a Judeo-Christian value and they really knew that that was true and so they were just being reminded of something that they really did believe in. So that, that could have been something for for Rahab, just being afraid of death. I'm not sure. It could have been her dissatisfaction. Why did she receive this Hebrew God? You know, she kind of said, I don't want to be a harlot. I don't want to have this lifestyle anymore. She is, she's likely very dissatisfied with her life. She wanted something better. Maybe she was a religious person seeking true spirituality. There's a lot of those. 
lot of people they're they they they're, they're just they want to know what spiritually is out there. She could have been a seeker, and that's a great place to start. You know, she she it, it could have been just that. You know, it's really exciting to talk to an open-minded person who's who's spiritual, who's really seeking the truth. Because if you're seeking the truth and open to it, God has a way to get in and come and, and minister to us if we're really open. But a lot of spiritual people that are seeking the truth want any truth but Jesus. I mean, you, 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 I've talked to them, and this, this could be you, and I don't want to step on your toes. Yes, I do. Because there's this thing that says, okay, yeah, I'm really open to spiritual things. And, you know, Facebook, I'm sorry. I'm tired of seeing, sending good vibes your way. You know what? Those vibes aren't going anywhere. You know, good thoughts to you. Well, great. There's no power in that. But see, that's a safe spirituality. That's safe spirituality. These people say, oh, I'm very spiritual. And I, you know, I just, but what about Jesus? Well, no, not Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is going to cramp my lifestyle. That's what it comes down to. And so, so, but it's really, really exciting to talk to, to somebody who's really open-minded and say, you know, I'm really seeking. And I just, I'm not sure. That, that's an agnostic who's a seeker. Agnostics don't say there is no God. They say, I'm just not sure. I don't have a God, and I'm not sure what's out there, but I'm open. And we need to be open. In fact, when I'm sharing my faith with people, often I'll, I'll, I'll share this. Hey, if, if what you believe in your spiritual walk w- is wrong, would you want to know the truth? It's a great question. And I'll, everyone in here can answer that right down to themselves. If what you believe today is wrong, would you want to know the truth? And let me tell you, if any of you said no, you're not open. Honestly, if I'm wrong, I want to know the truth. Because if I'm wrong, I could have my Sundays back. No. But if I'm wrong, I want to know the truth. So I tell this to people on the street. And, and if they say no, I'm done with the conversation. They're not open. But if they say yes, I, then I just simply do this. Well, I challenge you for the next 30 days to just say something like this. God, if you exist, if you're out there, Reveal yourself to me. And then I say, and I believe he will, and I'm going to pray with you every day for 30 days. I get their name and I tell them. And I pray every day for them. Because, see, I know that it's not about my words that's going to convince somebody to be a Christian. If I can convince somebody to be a Christian, somebody smarter than me can convince them to not be a Christian. So it's not about convincing words. It's about the Spirit of God. And so when you're truly open and you really say, even if it's Christianity, I'm open. And God can come in and move in that heart and do the miracle. It's wonderful. So this Rahab, she was open. And that was one of the things, that the, one of the qualities um, that make her awesome. Okay, another quality Rahab, she had the courage to make a tough decision. Here she is. She's in Jericho. She's on the wall. She's got a good business. And this threat of war and death is coming to her. And she's got to make a decision. Well, I know that there's people in this world who could have the exact same situation and go, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. Some people would actually maybe even say, I'd rather die with my people than convert. She had the courage to make a tough decision to to hide the spies. Now, she's going by faith. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She's going to hide the spies. And, and, and in a second, you know, we find that when they when they leave, um, they give her a promise that we won't destroy your house. Anyone ever been lied to before? She's got she's got the courage to make a tough decision to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I am going to hide the spies 
and then I'm going to lie, and then I'm going to cover up until they come back and don't destroy me. Wow. She had faith, and she had courage to act on that faith. In fact, that faith really is is linked to our action and our courage. You know, if if, if we believe something, we're going to be able to take the step to go there. So she had courage. And, and salvation for us requires a decision on our part. It's one thing to believe, it's another to act upon it. We've all been there. Oh yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, but then something comes up and we don't pray. Or we don't share our faith. Or whatever it is, we don't trust God in the offering. Yes, I believe that God's my provider. Will you give him the offering? No. Because I need this money for later. I oh, I believe in God and that he's the, the healer of all people. Hey, will you pray for me? God bless him. We're afraid. But we have to have that faith that acts out. and It, it needs to well up with, uh, within us and say, you know, I'm going to act on my faith. Uh, Paul says, you, you, you show me, uh, you say you have faith, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Our faith needs to be in conjunction with what we do. And she had that faith that moved, moved in it. She didn't have time to think about the decision either. She didn't get to go cons- you know, consult everyone. She had to make that decision right now. They came in, the king was right behind them, and she hid them, and she made that decision. Sometimes we need to make those, that, that decision. I'm, yes, I'm going to stand up for you. Third quality Rahab had was a willingness to join a new family, a new group, crazy people. Compared to the Canaanites, they were crazy. They did all these different things, and they sacrificed this, and they couldn't work on the, on the Sabbath, and they couldn't eat shellfish, they couldn't play football. Footballs were made with dead pig skin. No, she couldn't do this. She joined this family and she couldn't do these things. And she's like, I'm going to join this new family. They're a little weird. Some of you, you, as you came to this church, as you came to Christ, you went, oh, these guys are weird. And you had to make a choice. Or maybe today you're sitting here going, and these guys stand up and they clap and they look at the wall and what are they doing? And, and there's that moment we said, but I'm willing to make a choice to join a new family because this family is the family that's going to save me. I'm going to be part of this family and it's going to change my life. I'm going to enter into the family of God, change my lifestyle. You know, people, uh, sometimes our decision to follow Christ comes with the decision to leave an old life behind. In fact, it always does. Because your old life is gonna—it's gonna be different. It doesn't mean you have to be mean to your old friends or your family, but the way you do life now, when you come to Christ, it—it it changes, and you have to be willing to say it's okay if it changes, because I believe that God has something better for me. It doesn't mean that you will never see them again. Sometimes God says you can't be a friend of that person, and maybe never again. And sometimes He brings that relationship back when you're ready for it. But and sometimes, and this is what we always pray for, is that the old life that we leave behind those people get saved also. That's our prayer. But even when they get saved and they're now back in relationship with you, life is different. Because you don't talk about the same things you used to talk about. You don't do the same things you used to do. Because God has a plan for us to bring us from glory to glory, into the next good thing, into the best things in life. And that's what she was willing to do. I'm going to leave what's what I know and join what I don't. Amen? So these are some of the qualities. That, that she had. She also had the quality of being concerned for her family. When she makes the deal with the, the spy, she says, listen, will you not destroy myself and my mother and my father and my siblings, my family? And the spies say, they agree and they say, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to. And there's, there's a part that's coming up here that says, you know, you hit us as long as you stay faithful and don't tell the king what we're planning on doing. 
everyone who's in your home will be saved. And they said, and they said, but hang this scarlet rope, this scarlet cord from the window, and we'll know that this is the house. Everybody in this house will be saved. If they're not in this house, they won't be saved. You know what that meant? She had to not just be concerned for him, for her family. She had to tell her family, guys, you got to come to my house. You got to be in here. This is the only way you're going to be saved. Hey, family, you need Jesus. Jesus is the only way you're going to be saved. This is it. The scarlet cord is over our house. You know, why was it scarlet? Because the blood of the lamb, this represented the blood of the lamb that was slain in Egypt to cover the household, to save it from death. That was over the house. The blood of the lamb is the sacrificial lamb in Jesus Christ. Without that scarlet thread in our life, without the blood of the lamb on our houses, you know, we can think that we're fine all day long. The people in Jericho, they were a little afraid, but they also looked at their walls and they said, this place is great. These guys will never get in. We're fine without that scarlet thread. No, you're not. And so she had to have the boldness to tell her family, to say the only way you'll be saved is to come under the covering of the scarlet thread. You know what that word, it's, it's, it's really a cord. You know what the word in, in Hebrew for this cord is, this is really exciting. The word literally means hope. It's tikva, tikva in the Hebrew, and it means hope. So this cord was called the cord of hope. It was, it was all about hope, and that's what was let out. And so, so she was willingness to join the family. She was willing to tell her family. She had a care for her family. And, and we've already been talking about this other thing. She had faith. She had a lasting faith. We see it um, going into chapter 6 when they come in and they, and they rescue her. She got her, all of her family. And when they came in and the, the walls were destroyed, the, the Israelites come in and they, and they set her outside of the camp and then they come in and they destroy the rest. But it was a lasting faith and it made it all the way to Hebrews as an example to us that Rahab the prostitute, the harlot, was a woman of faith because God can use anyone and God can save anyone. And these are the things that we need to understand. Rahab had to follow through on her faith. She No longer was she a prostitute in Canaan. She was now part of the people of God. She was a believer in the true and living God. She wasn't an idolater anymore. She was a worshiper of the one true God. Isn't that good? And that's what he's calling all of us to be. See, we find ourselves in this story in Rahab throughout it because we're lost. We're, we, we were lost or we are lost. We are part of a different family. Or you might be part of a different family, a family of people who don't know Christ. And, and there's something coming. There's a destruction coming. There's an end of life coming. And the decision is, do you want to be saved? If you want to be saved, come under the scarlet, scarlet cord. And when you do, your life is going to change. It's not going to be the same. You don't get to add on Jesus and just say, okay, well, now I've got Christianity too, and I'll just go back to living my life. He says, when Jesus comes, God comes into your life. He says, when you come to Christ, everything's going to change. But look what she became. She went from prostitute to great-grandmother of King David to the line of Jesus Christ. She became known for her faith. God had something so much better for her. She never had to sleep with somebody for money again. She didn't have to go back because God is God and God is good. And that's what he has for all of us. No matter where you've come from, that's what God has for all of us. That scarlet rope, the blood of Jesus, the hope cord. We're gonna, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. and We're going we're gonna to sing the, uh, the song again at the cross. Love ran red. And, and, and as we sing this song, we're going to... 
have communion together. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray in just a moment before they start. As the song goes, we're going to just come up and and just take take the elements. In fact, you know, maybe we can even just kind of come this way and kind of make it a circle. We're not bouncing into people too much, but we'll come and get the bread and the in the in the matzah cracker. Now, this is grape juice and a matzah cracker, and the cracker it's really the matzah bread. It represents the body of Christ, and the grape juice represents the blood of Christ. It's Christ's blood that gives us forgiveness of sin. It can take a life that's hopeless, that's broken, with no greater hope than being a harlot, and bring it into a new relationship with healing and hope for a future. The scarlet cord is Jesus' blood shed for all of us. But you don't get the advantage of the blood of Jesus unless you put your household, unless you come into the household of faith. Rahab was a woman of faith. She had a household of faith. Join the household of faith. It doesn't mean join this church. When you become a Christian, you're part of the church. You can go to any church here that preaches the gospel in Big Bear. If If you've never received Christ today, I encourage you, let this be the day that you say, I'm ready to join a new family. It doesn't have to be this family. We might be too strange for you. That's okay. We are strange. We're, we're strange. We love each other. We care for each other. But you, you're joining the family of God. And that means that life is going to change. And you don't have to do all the changes on yourself. He's going to show you which things you need to do. And He's going to walk you through the process. But the blood of Jesus was spilled for us. And His body was broken on the cross of Calvary. They whipped Him. They beat Him. And He did it all because there had to be a payment for our sin. We didn't pay for it. We can't. This is the moment for Christians and for those who've never put their faith in Christ to say, God, I I can't pay for my own sin. I need a Savior. I'm thankful for your paying the price for me. That I commit my life afresh to You, remembering that You did this for me. So as they... Start the song. Let's just come and and get the elements and come back to your seat. At the end of the song, we'll all partake together. So let's worship and we'll sing together as we just begin to come and get the elements. a place where mercy reigns and never dies there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide for all the
where his blood ran red turns our sin to white. Today's a day that the Lord has made and it's a day for us to commit ourselves afresh to him. If you've never done it, today is the day. Don't hold back. Be like Rahab. Make a decision, a difficult decision right now to put your faith in God. Put your faith in Christ to be your healer your deliverer and your savior. You don't have to worry. God will bring you to the next thing. You can come and we'll talk and we'll help you in your next steps in your faith in Christ. But let that be today. Simply by saying something like this. It doesn't have to be these words, but God, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you are my only salvation. I owe all to you, as the song said. I give you my life. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for what Jesus did 
on the cross. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And pray that from your heart. And believe you're saved. You'll follow Him. Father, we thank You for Your body. Sending Jesus Christ for our sin to be broken. We can't do this on our own. We admit. We fall on our knees. And say, we need You. We thank You for Your broken body. Let's take of the bread together. knowing that somebody has paid a big price for you is really difficult. For many of us, our response is, let me pay it back. No, don't do it for me. You can do it for someone else, but please don't do that for me. Jesus did it for me. Jesus did it for you. And you can't pay it back. We have to come to a point that we say, I couldn't pay the price and you did. And there's nothing I can do to pay it back. I just have to thank you and worship you for doing it because I couldn't. Thank you, God, for shedding your blood and that this blood gives us new life in Christ. Thank you. We partake of the juice together. And Father, today we want to be like Rahab, our past forgiven, a future enfolded into the body of Christ, into the family of God. A future that we don't know what you have for us. But some in this room, God, you're going to make us all into princes, princesses. Those in the family lineage of greatness because you are our king. While you have a hope and a plan and a desire and a dream for each of us, Lord, and you're going to walk us into it as we put our faith in you and say, we want to be part of the family of God and we're going to continue to live by faith in this new family. We thank you for all that you're doing and it's all that you want to do, Father. Now help us, even as we leave here, to go and do a Rahab. Go invite our family and our friends into the family of God, unto the cord, the scarlet cord of hope as we go into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our families. Share faith and pray for those that are lost. We thank you for all that you're doing and what you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Make sure you grab your door hangers on the way out. And again, if you're visiting, grab a visitor's packet or come and find one of the leaders or life group leaders, the small group leaders, and get to know some people.